On today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers, we are going to be joined by Joe and Stevie from the Broadway Block podcast for part two of our two-part crossover episode here. We'll be talking uh, Ranger trade targets, uh, also the need that the Rangers have to upgrade at right wing, uh, sharing some stories as well from watching the Rangers in the playoffs uh, over the past couple of seasons, really uh, since we've been fans of this team, and specifically going to talk about uh, some stories from us watching Game 7 of the Rangers versus Penguins uh, last year in the playoffs. As it turns out, Joe and Stevie were actually at that game, so uh, They've got some fun stories to uh, share from their experience with, uh, you know, everything that happened at Madison Square Garden. Of course, Artemi Panarin uh, knocking out the Penguins in Game 7 last season. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 762 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And so, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, we're just going to talk with Stevie and with Joe here from the Broadway Block podcast. Uh, they do a fantastic job with their show and not going to waste any more time. Just going to dive right into it, play part two of our conversation. Uh, part one was actually yesterday's episode, so I'll leave a link to that in the description as well. Uh, you can watch them in either order, but yeah, just uh, enjoy this uh, special crossover edition, a New York Ranger podcast crossover edition. Yeah, I'm glad you guys both brought up Trocek because he's another one. And even you guys, you know, seem to have slightly different views on, you know, his role with the Rangers and uh, his future with the Rangers. And, you know, that's something that I hadn't really thought of, Joe, where, um, you know, is he kind of in Filipito's way? Does he have uh, or does Filipito rather have more upside than Vincent Trocek? I've always liked Trocek. I've always liked his game. Um, He actually and I've said this on the podcast uh, even before he came to the Rangers, he was one of my favorite non-Rangers in the league. Just like those guys that are kind of Swiss Army knives and just kind of like a B-plus at like every area of the game. And I think Trocek applies there. But by that same token, you know, obviously the Rangers are going to be uptight against the salary cap. They've got some tough decisions to make this offseason. And will that Trocek contract, which is uh, seven years, is that eventually going to you know get in the way of them doing other things that they want to do? And of course, uh, I want to say Trocek has a no-move clause. I've got cap friendly here. Yeah, he does. So, uh, yeah, he'll be on the Rangers for for as long as he wants to be there. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people fixate on the fact that it's seven years, but I think the reason the Rangers did that is, you know, to keep the average annual value down. If, if you give a guy a couple more years, then he might be a little bit more willing to take a little bit less per year, you know, for the long-term security and everything. But, yeah, uh, Trocek, uh, I'm glad he's here, but I can also see the other side of that where it's like, man, it might be time to put Filipito into a top-six role, and there isn't really any room for him. Unless, of course, you were to put him on, say, like the right wing. I mean, have you guys ever thought about that? Because this is something I used to talk about on this podcast, the idea of moving Heedle to the wing. And I've kind of just given up on it because the Rangers like never do it. So I've kind of moved on from it. But I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that. Like Heedle on the right wing, second line. I mean, could that be an option? Especially since that's an area uh, where the Rangers are kind of thin right now is, is right wing. Well, anything could be an option. Uh, one last point on Drury is that my only other knock on him is that not sharing up that first line has really caused Gallant to have to, like, with his role, 
come back and tried to figure out the lines day in and day out, which has really given us like a revolving door, which has given us no consistency. So Chris Drury over the off season, I feel like, yeah, obviously we needed another center in there, that position, um, not locking up a right winger there has caused us a lot of problems. As for Hedo playing wing, I feel like we have other options, you know, like I would prefer centers are so valuable that I would prefer like to move Kreider or Laffy to that right wing position, if anything, um, rather than Philip Hedo, because I just every he's always in the right place. He's got good moves. He's been playing good defense. So I wouldn't mess with him. Maybe I might have considered it at the offseason last year. Like, oh, yeah, maybe he is an option. But as of him playing right now and after that Hurricane series like last year, I'd be like, he's he's made to play center, and I think he really needs to stay in that center position. Oh, other the last thing is with Trocek, too, as well, I will give Drury that we were – dog shit on the face-offs last year so Trocek is a face-off man so him bringing in Trocek was to help the face-off did Drury see the power play going as poorly as it's gone this year no also would we be even saying considering Hedo for the second center position if all those goals that Trocek hit the post on for the first three months went in maybe not maybe we wouldn't even be having this discussion but as for Hedo to the wing, I think he's just got to stay in the center position. If I'm if I'm correct, we tried it a few seasons ago. I think that the the glut that we've had, it's so strange how it happens, right? So we, we go from being so flush in that department to being bare. A lot of it, in my opinion, rides on the fact that Kravy really hasn't been as advertised. Now, there's a bunch of fans out there that would have my head for even saying that, and I feel like you know, what we've done is given him another opportunity and there's been moments, but if I'm Drury, I'm finding a willing participant and keeping him on ice to not embarrass himself or us as an organization for any longer because, you know, if you can get a return for Kravy, I think you do it because he's essentially soaking up what could be a more capable right wing. And who's to say that a guy like Gustav Nyquist wouldn't, you know, fit in beautifully on that second, third line where we could elevate a guy like Kako because, you know, for what it's worth, Kako's play with the kid line has been not been missed on me. I, I feel like Kako is, you know, the glue to to those guys because we've seen different variations of, of Laugh and Heedle, but it really is when the three of them come together and it's hard to identify what exactly that is. But we've also seen Kako go up and play with the top guys and also perform really well there. So I think a lot of this is the lack of someone else to being able to gel on those lines. Kravy's not it. You know, everybody's up in arms and it's a guy like VC or Goody. I think VC or Goody's limit is on that third, fourth line where they can be their most effective and be difficult to play against. Um, if Heedle slides to the wing, then that means Goody's the full-time third center, right? And then, you know, your fourth line center, we've already waved Brodzinski and, you know, Carpenter's really not pushing the needle for me. So, my my thing is, you know, having the rest of that, like Joe had alluded to, the rest of that fall into line once you can shore up that role. Um, and if it's Kako, great. Just, you know, you got to get somebody that can stay on the second line and, and it creates that domino effect of what to do. One thing that Joe had also mentioned about Trocek is, you know, not only is he a face-off guy, the commitment's there, 
but you can also see the direction that is is obvious with the team that you know the commitment to Trocek, the commitment to guys like Goodrow. They want sandpaper players that are hard to play against. I think Nyquist checks those boxes for me as well, especially being somebody who can contribute maybe twenty a year. Um, and he was pretty noticeable in the game that we played against the Blue Jackets. And you know we had um, someone on our show that I had mentioned it well before the beat writers were were talking about uh, Nyquist and. As soon as he said it, I, I was like, "Why didn't I think of this guy?" You know, he's someone who's hard to play against. He goes to the net, you know, kind of like Goodrow, kind of like Trocheck, um, and we we've seen the commitment to sandpaper players in recent uh, memory now. So I would be looking towards somebody like that, where we can elevate from within and maybe stick a guy like Kako uh, firmly on that top line. As much as I enjoy watching the kid line do what they've been doing recently, has been absolutely fantastic. Just want to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only ne- the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We are really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Yeah, Kako, I feel like uh, long-term we might end up seeing uh, a reunion of him with Mika and Kreider because that was obviously clicking pretty nice, and uh, that was, you know, the best we've seen Capo Kako play since he's come into the NHL, and he's doing well with the kid line too. Uh, but, man, it, it looked like he was ready to just really take off when he was with Mika and Kreider. And I think long-term too, I'll ask you guys about this too because I, I've always kind of resisted the idea of putting Panarin with Mika I mean, they're so good anyway, and they're so dangerous whenever they're even on opposite lines. I don't know that you need to kind of like overstack the top line, especially when, you know, depth at times has been something of a concern for this team. I'd rather have them on two different lines. But your thoughts on that? I mean, Panarin and and Mika, do you want them on the same line? Do you want them on different lines? Uh, What's the ideal uh, setup there for you guys? For me, I like them on separate lines because they both bring a different aspect of play. Like, you know, obviously – on paper, it sounds good. Like Panarin's a passer. Like you saw him when he was with Chicago, he was always looking to ditch it to Kaner for that goal. And you would assume Mika would be ready to like you know swoop into that role. But they kind of play. They spread the ice. They they kind of are used to quarterbacking the play. So it's kind of like you don't really need two quarterbacks out there at the same time. And with us, with our line issues, you kind of need someone on that second line to quarterback that and keep that moving so for me like yeah have we seen it would it be great if it was great a great first line yeah i'd love it like you know but we can't and and going back to it like i don't think you can get something going and stay with that because good teams that win over time have the same first line for years in and years out like it's years of consistency 
So I don't think like we're gonna we're stuck on these lines until we find that first line right winger. But Mika and Panarin, I think they should be on separate lines. Steve, what do you think? You know, it's funny, and we had mentioned this a few episodes ago as well, that, you know, why is it that whenever we are in need of a spark that that's Gallant's go-to move? And if I'm honest, they dominate puck possession, but a lot of it, to me, has to revolve around the opponent because there's a lot that I'm sure goes into the Gallant line change fiasco that you know that everybody references and to me it has to be like if you're playing a deeper team like the canes maybe you need them separated because you know that they can shut down a top line and after that what do you have so to me it has probably a lot more to do in my opinion with the matchups and and knowing who's going to be on the on the opposite line from you i think on paper mika and panarin makes the most amount of sense i mean that is your power play unit you know you put Fox and Keandre together when you want the same little boost from the back end. So um, there's there's half of me that wants that commitment to just do it. But I think I think you nailed it, man. That that without that number one right wing and without the consistency from the rest of the line, it has that trickle down effect where because we don't have that number one right winger, where it's just a no brainer. Um, that's really where it gets difficult. And again, if a guy like Kravy was performing well, maybe we're not having this conversation. If, if a guy like Trocheck is netting all those goals and you know maybe would would have never seen Panarin bump up to that line because you know that 13 more goals or however many posts that Trocek hit that would have been 13 more apples for Breadman and you know you you would have no argument to 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 change up that pairing so you know for me it's it has a lot to do with the opponent in my opinion and I feel like if there was that no-brainer decision on the right side that the line juxtaposition wouldn't be happening nearly as much because you know, we've seen it on the power play when Galan has one thing figured out and, and you know, he'll he'll stick with it and he'll roll with it um, for the long term. One question I wanted to spin to you, John, and we don't have to answer it next. I'm sure you have a, a thought in mind is how have you felt about Yaroslav Halak? Because when we chatted last, we did, saw a completely different Yaro than we have been recently. Yeah, no, obviously feeling a lot better. I, I know um, he's winning games at a high clip. I don't have the exact number in front of me. I know he's won at least the last three uh, in a row here. And um, something that really impressed me in the game against Vegas, and um, you know, I, I got to shout out to you, Joe, first, because you, you mentioned that sometimes uh, the decision whether to go with Halak or Igor can be a little strange. That one I thought was strange, too, because you know, you're looking at the schedule. Okay, we play Vegas, good team. You know, they, They've cooled off a little bit, but it's obviously a very good team. Um, and then you've got nine straight days off if you're the Rangers. So the thought that they would put Halak into that game never even crossed my mind. But I kind of see why they did it, because if if he doesn't play that game, he's going to go like probably about a month without playing in a hockey game. So it makes a little bit of sense uh, from that perspective. Um, but the thing I love about you know Halak coming up big in that game is that I think a knock that you could still have on Halak is, yeah, okay, he's played a little bit better recently, but he's beating you know the Blue Jackets and the Canadians. They tend to only put him out there uh, against the not-so-good teams. Well, now he just beat a team that's uh, tied for first place in its division. So a uh, very impressive performance there. And uh, I think, you know, coming into the season, whether it was going to be Halak or anybody else, if you're a Ranger fan, you know Georgie's leaving, you know he's getting traded. Um, so whoever the new backup is going to be, it, it's kind of like, all right, well, let's just get somebody, somebody that can give us a chance. You know, you feel good about uh, having an opportunity to win the game if, if he's starting. Halak's doing more than that lately, man. He's making some great saves. And that game against Vegas... 
Bit of a slow start by the Rangers. He, he made some really tough saves early, allowed them to kind of take control in the second period and uh, go on to win. So uh, I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from him. And uh, I can tell that the Ranger players were certainly happy as well because, uh, you know, they, after the game, you guys probably saw, I mean, they were all hugging him and congratulating him. And I'm, I'm sure they recognize that he got off to a really tough start with his new team this year too. So, I mean, yeah, what, what a 180. And obviously feeling a heck of a lot better about a lock these days than uh, at the start of the season. Five straight, John. That's not what he's at. There we go. There we go. Not too shabby. Yeah, not not, not too shabby, shabby for somebody that was like 0-6-1 or, or whatever it was. But And yeah, it looks like stuff. the locker room loves him. Like, he stayed in the tunnel just to, like, give everybody a shout-out. And it seems like like the guys really like him in there. So that's actually really awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. It, it's a really tight-knit locker room. You know, that's something that I've talked about on my pod. I'm sure you guys have mentioned it as well. I mean, those guys have each other's back. They care about each other. And the fact that he's come in and... Uh, you know, seemingly fit into the the culture and the environment. Uh, really good stuff there, uh, for sure. And and nice to know it's still a pretty tight knit bunch. Um, I did want to mention though. You know, we we've kind of been talking all throughout the episode here. We, we kind of all three of us, I think, at one time or another, have mentioned the trade deadline or mentioned somebody that could be on the move. So I got to know. You know, is there somebody that you think the Rangers will trade for? Somebody that they should trade for? You know, a, a personal favorite for for either of you guys? I mean, any, anything you want to throw out there as far as the deadline is concerned? Well, for me, you know, obviously, like, I'm always intrigued. I'm a New Yorker, so I just want to be like, you know, obviously Tarasenko out there with um, Mika or something like that, That like, or Kaner, that would be great. But does it make sense financially and long-term and with the um, where they are at in their contracts? Like, obviously, Kaner we could re-sign, but are we going to be able to sign him? No. Um, so I don't think we're going to go after a big fish. And then that falls into the, like, what teams are willing to give up who? I don't really have anybody in mind, per se, because it's all really what teams, like, you got to look at the teams that are doing poorly. Like, who does Arizona have? Who does the Sharks have? Who are they willing to give up? And teams like that, even the Blue Jackets. Like, you know, Blue Jackets signed Johnny Hockey. Are they willing to give up people for a reasonable price? And, like, then you go up to Montreal. Like, yeah, they're doing poorly. They have good nights. But it seems like they're in a rebuild. So, like, how much are they willing to give up? So, I think you just have to find the right person. And if it doesn't happen, trade partner, then I think you just kind of continue with the season that we're having and you rebuild in the offseason a little bit more. I, I think, think the list of people. Sorry, Sorry. About that, I think the list of people that I don't want to trade for is longer than the list of people that I'm looking at. I agree. Okay. I think the Blue Jackets game was pretty telling. Um, that guy, Gavrikov, you know, Diving after pucks, he reminded me a lot of Tyler Mott. He goes out, hurts himself on a on a block shot, comes out a shift later, blocks a shot, hits it off the same spot, and then there's rumor like a week later that that we've actually kicked tires on him. And you know Tyler Mott actually, you know, he's been sidelined with a broken finger in in Ottawa, so they might not be as in love with him. You know, there's that recency bias in the room as far as you know, maybe they're a little less attached because I think. You know, we had the Ottawa Senators, Joe and I pegged as one of the most improved teams in the league going into this season. And, you know, they seem to be looking on another on any other year where they might be looking to um, add via subtraction and, and get rid of some guys for a higher price tag. So, you know, Gavrikov stood out to me. Um, hardworking players like that, that, that can flush out those bottom roles because either way you look at it, if you lock up one side of the ice on, on either the top end or the bottom end, that will at least let the pieces fall into place 
for this glaring hole on the on the winger. So it's got to be a wing no matter what you do or a Swiss Army Knife type of player in Tyler Mott um, who you also already know what you're going to get. And come on, let's be honest. What would the price tag really be? A fifth, a fourth? I'd do that all day, every single time and twice on a Sunday. With Sammy Blay, hopefully? Uh, that, could we could we kill two birds with one yeah, can we can we figure that one out yeah i doubtably unfortunately and um in somebody else that um that has been talked about a lot and is also in that same breath of you know it would be a fortune to resign them but timo meyer is a is an attractive looking piece and and it depends on what you're willing to give up and it also depends on the perceived value of you know what the conversation starts at if you're another team because it's it's typically a market driven by you know not what we can offer but what can the rest of the league offer and if there's a prettier package out there for the sharks you can probably understand that they'll take it um you know especially you said sammy blay and i already said kravsoff but not to rip on the guy any further but you got to get something for that guy because moving forward he's going to weigh any contract he can get with us against his khl out clause that he still has and if you're I believe he's only signed for that that extra one year. Um, uh, I think that is this season. So it's like you're in a really difficult spot with this guy either way. So it would be, in my opinion, the best interest to rid ourselves of a guy like that, acquire some depth players that are gonna you know try hard for you, like the ones that I've mentioned. And a Timo Meyer to me really just checks all those boxes because you know he serves as a rental, obviously, but. If he proves to be the player that he's proven he can be elsewhere, if he can fit into the Rangers, because that's really what it always comes down to is, you know, we can trade for players, sure, but can they have that instant chemistry like we saw last year from Mott and Vetrano, who were actually in the highest contributing efforts out of any deadline acquisition from any team last season? I feel like a guy like Meyer is a guy that you move players out for, and even if they're fan favorites, you find a, guy, you find a way to keep a guy like Timo, in my opinion. Nine million. Yeah, with the sharks. Oh, go ahead. What's up? Oh, sorry. My last point. The only thing about Timo is I heard he's in the range of a like a t- nine to nine point five million contract he's looking for after. That's for a qualifying play. offer, right? So you have to also understand that you know you had also mentioned it too, John. Is the the length of that commitment? Maybe we can find a way to make it more of a seven point five eight million dollar contract if we're going to commit to him, and and then the lineup is basically set in stone. Where like Joe alluded to. Now you just let them cook for a few years and build that chemistry and become that undeniable team. But this would also require getting, you know, getting rid of some players that we're all big fans of. And and who that player is specifically, it's actually in our best interest if some of these guys kind of cool off because they're going to be due for a hefty raise if they continue the, the point pace they're on. Yeah, I'm... I'm a big fan of Timo Meyer. I said in a recent episode, because I've done a couple of trade deadline, you know, centric episodes. And, uh, you know, if I could just push a button and any player that's going to be available at the trade deadline comes to the Rangers, I mean, he would be my guy. But, man, you look at the fact that it would be, I mean, I don't know how they would re-sign him. You'd have to shuffle all kinds of money off the books and, and pretty much unload. Um, and and, and you then know, you're locked that, in. And then you're locked into some big contracts. Then yeah, even even more so than they already are. Yeah. So that, that's going to be tough. And and you know, just the fact that I mean, he's got to be at or near the very top of the list as far as guys that uh, could end up being on the move. You know, at the trade deadline season this year. And man, if they do make him available, and I actually talked with JD Young not too long ago. He hosts Locked On Sharks. He put it at sixty forty that the Sharks will trade Meyer as opposed to you know hang on to him. 
Um, but man, teams are just going to be lining up around the block, you know, just, just throwing offers at the sharks. And I mean, look, the sharks, I mean, I, I'm with you. I feel like that's the kind of player he's still only like 26 years old. You resign him and you build around him. But if they do move him, my God, I mean, there's going to be eight, 10, 12 teams looking to bring him in. So, uh, yeah, it's an interesting situation to track for sure. And as for Tyler Mott, man, I, I love the idea of bringing him back. You know, he, he did a great job for this team last year. Uh, he, he was out there in free agency forever in the off season. And I, I think a lot of us were hopeful that, oh, you know, one or two year deal with Tyler Mott. Yeah, let's let's do this. Um, ends up signing the one year deal with Ottawa. And as you guys mentioned, Ottawa's not contending. It doesn't look like they're going to be a playoff team. That being the case, I would imagine they would look to move him. And yeah, I mean, fourth rounder probably is, is about right. I mean, I, I think, you know, that that sounds about appropriate. So, yeah, I love the idea. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if they can make it happen. Um, but yeah, Timo Meyer, he, he would be big time for sure. Just want to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you've got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 12-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank us later. And uh, I, I think the other thing, too, as far as the trade deadline, if you if you just want to break it down as far as positions are concerned, we've identified right wing as like, you know, the, the biggest uh, the biggest need that this Ranger team has. And I don't think it's even close. I think when you look position by position, that's the area of need. But I'd be cool with like, you know, a pretty significant right winger as well as, you know, maybe a depth defenseman, somebody that could be either the sixth or seventh guy. If the Rangers do that and they bring in, you know, two or maybe three pieces uh, to play those positions. I, I think we're looking at a pretty good uh, trade deadline. But any closing thoughts as far as uh, the deadline is concerned or anybody that uh, that you might want to see the Rangers bring in? And, and Joe, I... Or, it's got to be right winger. It's just got... Yeah. It's got to be someone that can play right wing. And yeah. like I said, I said, it'd be nice to have a right winger that we can build consistency with because those teams that are competing for cups and stuff like that, like, they have the same lines. Like, look at the back-to-back -back Stanley Cup champion Lightning. That, that first line was deadly for them. Um, and when they didn't have somebody on them, they were a different team. So we got to get some right winger. At, we talked on our show briefly that we thought a veteran defenseman was important. I think more important even than that is finding the right winger because I think Harper kind of like holds that shadow for right now that he could be that seventh defenseman. And you touched on it with Jones or Robertson coming in later in the future. So I'd rather wager more and try to get rid of some of these other guys that are going to, we're going to have to pay or something like that and just get that right winger we need. On the topic of building around a guy like Meyer and trying to find the way to sign him, I firmly believe, like Joe had said about the consistency on the top lines and building that chemistry over time, I am a much bigger advocate of stripping the bottom six of, of players that really haven't shown what they can do 
Um, not to say all of them, but there are a lot of replacement level players around for who we have. You know, you mentioned Ma on a on a one year bid. There is always next year's unrestricted free agents that will much more likely sign to an attractive team if you can create an attractive landing spot. And just with the revolving door that we've had, you know, Blay, you know, Gautier's had a fine year, sure. Um, even VC on that that 800K, Harper, these are all guys you can afford to get rid of and replace pretty inexpensively if you couldn't already do that from what you have in-house. So that's where I would sit as far as the deadline. If you do swing for a guy, it's got to be Meyer, right? Because it doesn't make sense to go out and blow all that that cap space or you know draft picks or assets or you know whatever it would take to to get a guy like Kaner or Tarasenko. It would make Plus much they're more older. Sense. They're older. Like you're 100%. right. Timo is right in his prime. I think you guys both are a hundred percent right on that. Like he would be someone you would invest in. Yeah, and and you know, like I mentioned with the commitment to Trocheck and Goodrow, I mean, there's commitment all over this roster as far as you know. Fox and Truba and you know don't forget Igor is going to be doing a couple seasons for an upgrade and you know you can't afford to lose a guy like Igor so you know I, I would be much happier with a team that is worth building around and kind of plugging in those bottom roles because the fourth line this year has just not been it for me and depending on who we decide to slide down to that third line you know that's been pretty hit or miss as well. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting, you know, talking about, you know, the cap crunch and everything going on and, you know, this guy needs a new contract and, and all that good stuff. It's crazy because after the extensions to VZ and Harper, do you guys know how many UFAs are remaining, like on the Ranger roster right now? How many impending UFAs? Like off the top of your head? It's crazy. Do you? I don't know off the top of my head. I know. So we there's only two. It's Sammy Blay and Yaroslav Halak. That's it. Those are the only UFAs. Oh. So pretty interesting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Rangers do at the trade deadline for sure. I mean, I, I'm up for doing another episode then with you guys if, if you're up for it. Um, but there was a 100%. question I wanted to ask both of you, uh, kind of changing gears here a little bit. So I did this episode, um, you know, after the Ranger playoff run concluded last year. And, you know, obviously they had that crazy series win against the Penguins and Panarin scores in Game 7, the overtime winner. Uh, I asked listeners to, to write in and just kind of give me stories about, uh, you know, who they were with, and how did they react when Panarin scored that overtime Game 7 winner. So I want to put the question to you guys. I, I never mind reminiscing about this moment, you know, the Rangers eliminating the Penguins. So uh, yeah, let, let me know, you know, who were you with? How did you celebrate? Spare no details. Let me know how it went. I was with this guy. There we go. All right. And his father. Okay. Papa, Papa Steve was there. And yeah. <laughs> it, was a great, it was a great game, man. We had been up on our feet the whole time. Jari was back for it, so we were trying to get the crowd into like you know they you know Penns fans got at Igor, so we were really trying to get a Jari for that game seven, like really let him know it was a hostile environment and that like you know we were ready to come like be alive. And when it happened, you could see the play develop, and after Panarin scored that, the building shook like no other. Walking down the tunnels from like at the end of the game, everyone is lit, screaming as loud as they possibly could, saying, We want the cup. Like it was one of the best environments that you could possibly be in. And especially being in MSG, one of the greatest buildings of like all sports franchise, like you couldn't have asked for anything better. The streets were insane. And it made me realize 
how devastating it would have been if we had lost that game because the amount of the amount of pent up emotion that was happening that was pouring into the streets we go um just down the road and there's you know a group of fans mocking the uh penguins horn the bam 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 and then a bunch of people in like high-pitched voices going let's go pens and it was just it was just this culmination of everyone finally being able to rip on that team and and to do it with kind of the same arrogance that we that we've come accustomed to and it just you know joe touched on the igor thing but you know the whole building wanted to make that game uncomfortable and there was a really sinking feeling when we were down a goal um, and I had texted uh, my wife. She called the first goal scorer, the, the game winner. She called both of those players. And with about two minutes remaining before it happened, I was like, dude, Andrew Kopp is about to blow the roof off this place. <laughs> Somehow squeaks the puck out to Mika to tie it. And that was just like, it, it was almost like it was meant to be. And and to have, obviously, my, my best bud there with me, that mean. We both lost our voice. It, the the whole the whole arena was shaking, as he said, and it was just, you know, how about how about you, John? Where were you for, for that game? Yeah, man, that's awesome. You guys were there. That's so cool. I, I've never been to a Stanley Cup playoff game, so that's definitely something that's on the list. I mean, I've been to the Garden a bunch of times, just never for the playoffs. But yeah, you know, I, I was at home, you know, watching it. Um, you know, my wife and I had just welcomed our first child. You know, just uh, about a month or two Congrats, before that. Dude. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Um, but my mom was visiting, you know, giving us a hand a little bit. She's a big Ranger fan, too. And, um, you know, my wife, you know, she was upstairs with with our daughter, Daniela. And, um, you know, I believe they were both asleep at that point. When Panarin scored that goal, though, because I'm just sitting there, I'm, like, paralyzed watching this because it's such a stressful, unforgiving environment. You score the next goal, you advance, they score, you're done. You know, it, it's pretty crazy to think about. And when they scored, like... I wish I could tell you I ran around my house and ran around my... I just, like, collapsed. That was such an emotionally draining series. Um, the fans were just at each other's throats. I'm so sick of the Penguins. I I'm sure you guys are sick of the Penguins and, you know, that that core that's been in, in place with, for, with them for, like, 30 years. Um, and it was the exact opposite of what happened when Stepan scored all those years ago against the Cap... Or, uh, yeah, against the Caps uh, in overtime. I mean, when that happened, I, I went nuts. With this one, it was just pure, concentrated relief. They're, they're done... They're out of the playoffs. They can go cry about it. We're moving on. And uh, another 3-1 series come back up against the Penguins. Just just such a relief and, and such a great feeling. It so, almost I'm felt just... like the end of an era for the Pens, too, which made me extra happy because I, I didn't think – we didn't know if Malkin was coming back. You didn't know about – well, obviously, you knew Crosby was coming back, yeah, but yeah. everything – question marks were up in the air. The only thing I wish I could show that, too, is like any free agent we're trying to get or any trade person to be like, if you could win in New York, like, yeah, you can go win somewhere else, but if you win in New York, you're legendary. Like, yes. that was a legendary moment from Panarin, which, of course, we, as New Yorkers, we did the next thing to Panarin, the whole series, like, oh, he had a disappointing playoff run with us, even though he had that Game 7 winner, but that's that's the most New Yorker thing we could do. Yeah. But, yeah, it was it was rough for Panarin, but that like if I could show someone that energy, if there was a way to show that from that game, like and be like, come to New York, come play for New York, take a take a discount because we never get anybody that takes a discount. They go to they go to the Pens and take a discount, but New York, everyone's like, all right, I'm in New York, cash my check. So if I could just show that, <laughs> well, they go to Florida and avoid all the state income taxes. Oh yeah, the taxes. Thank like you. Two million dollar deal or a Bergeron contract. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I still think the NHL should investigate the. Um, uh, it's so funny that we have opposite stories, John, because um, to give some insight to the step on goal, I was my wife. Now we were newly dating and we were at their, uh, her parents' house and they had, had kind of like singled me out the, the two nights before and was like, listen, we wake up at three in the morning to go to work. There's going to be no screaming tonight for this stupid hockey game. Okay. And I was like, you got, you know, you're, you're trying to scouts honor, sir. I promise we'll be. And when I tell you, I had to silently, I was like, like paralyzed and couldn't react. And, and just all this, you know, it was, it was completely polar opposite. And, and you got to do that for the to Panarin goals. That's, that's super funny, man. Yeah. And the thing is too, that the one other reason why I kind of waited to celebrate, and I don't know if this happened with you guys either, but the Panarin goal, um, we know that the officiating to, to be as kind as I possibly can here, definitely left something to be desired, not just in that series, but in the entire playoffs. So once that goal was scored, I had to make sure they're not going to call some like BS goalie interference or, or like a hand pass or, or they were offside. Something we remember like that. game one in that series, John, we remember. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was rough. That was rough. And oh man, that, that made me so mad because I mean, what a moment for Kako and Hedl there and that they had it taken away from them, but it is what it is. They still got the series win. And, you know, talking about all this, I, I just, I'm hoping, I mean, the Rangers got to make it first. I think they will, but uh, it just makes me look so forward to Stanley Cup playoff hockey. And I mean, I, I figure we can call it there for today, guys, but I mean, it's always a pleasure talking hockey. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to do this again this season, I'm all for it. Absolutely, John. Thank you again for, for sharing this with us, brother. I really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining. And uh, also, where, where can they find you guys, the Broadway Block uh, podcast? And where can they find you guys on social media? Uh, we are on Broadway Spotify podcasts and Apple podcasts. All right. Well, yeah, again, uh, Joe, Steve, thanks again for joining. And uh, Ranger fans, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we will definitely see you guys next time. Cheers, buddy. Sounds good, John. Thank you. All right. So once again, a huge thanks to Joe and Stevie from the Broadway Block podcast for teaming up for this special New York Rangers crossover edition here, two-part crossover edition. Definitely make sure to follow both of those guys on Twitter. Follow Broadway Block on Twitter as well and give them a listen. You know, they really do a fantastic job covering this team. I believe they're closing in on 75 episodes and I highly recommend it to anyone. You know, I, I do check out some of the other Ranger podcasts from time to time and uh, Broadway Block is up there as far as, you know, one of the absolute best. So uh, definitely give them a listen as well. Uh, but that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.